For all we know, that world is a beautiful oasis with jungles and oceans and beaches and all of that kind of thing, and it would be a nice place for us to visit. For all we know, it's a blasted rock with no atmosphere at all. That was Associate Professor Nick Law. And at the time, he and his graduate students, led by Ward Howard, didn't think a bright light was all that much. But it turns out that this really bright light they had discovered in the sky above the Chilean Andes had led to some interesting implications about life on other planets. There's two different ways to observe the night sky with a telescope. Many telescopes allow you to see one small part of the sky at a time, which leaves you waiting for something to rapidly change. This is something like a planet moving quickly in front of a star. But what about other events that happen across the sky outside of that small frame? Some telescopes are engineered to automatically move across a span of sky one segment at a time and return back to its original starting point. But what if the telescope misses the event because it's already moved on to a new frame? Insert the Everyscope, created by Professor Law and his team to solve the problem. To develop the Everyscope, you, you literally start with a sketch on a cocktail napkin and from there, you need to start doing the detailed engineering to turn it into a real working system. And the really important thing is that the Everyscope is a robotic telescope. That means there's no one around it. It has to be able to look after itself completely. It has to be able to protect itself, and it has to be able to decide what to do for itself. The Everyscope was funded by the National Science Foundation and was built at Carolina by graduate students using 3D printers and the machine shop on campus. It took roughly a year to build and ultimately deployed in 2015. It now observes the sky above the Southern Hemisphere from the Chilean Andes and has generated over 1 million gigabytes of data. That's more than 15,000 iPhones, depending on which model you have. We uh, had the idea based on some smaller telescopes that we had built uh, on sites up at the North Pole or near to the North Pole, which are designed to monitor bright stars for transiting planets. And uh, on the basis of those two cameras working very well, we uh, decided it'd be a good idea to make um, something that's 10 times larger than that with a couple of dozen cameras covering the entire sky simultaneously. So during night in Chile, every two minutes, the Everyscope takes a one gigapixel sized snapshot of the sky. And we record that on disk. And then we have a software pipeline, which we spent most of the last couple of years developing, which analyzes that snapshot. And that means looking at the image, finding the stars in the image, matching those with known stars in the sky, and then seeing if something's changed, if a star has gotten brighter or fainter, um, or if there are new stars that have appeared. So we have a system which can detect those types of changes and it flags it to humans. And then on some timescale, depending on how awake we are and how busy we are, we look at the things that are flagged and say, oh, well, that's really interesting. Or maybe that's really boring. We've seen a bunch of those. And then the really interesting things we follow up, we try to figure out what the physics of the situation is. Um, and if we need to get other telescopes involved in figuring out what it is and, and so on. The team was surveying 50 million stars in the sky using the Everyscope keeping their eyes out for a common but extreme occurrence. A super flare is a scaled up version of the types of solar flares we see from our own sun quite often. So basically it's 
an explosion on the surface of the star, a release of energy. And super flares are much larger events that have been seen on other stars, um, which could have potentially devastating impacts on habitable worlds around those stars. These super flares happened often on the stars captured by the Everyscope, but something on the star Proxima Centauri caught their eye. This particular star is the closest to our sun, if you can call four light years close, and also has a potentially habitable world the right distance away from the star to have water on its surface. Of course, this doesn't mean we'll all rush over to the planet named Proxima b, but Professor Law and his team discovered something very interesting about superflares from the neighboring Proxima Centauri star. What we saw for Proxima Centauri was a giant flare where the star got about um, 70 times brighter than it is normally. Just think what it would be like if our sun got 70 times brighter for a few minutes. I mean, it would be a pretty spectacular event that probably wouldn't go well for our planet. Um, What we found is that these flares are actually quite common from Proxima Centauri several times a year, and that could have um, really uh, bad implications for what it would be like to be on the surface of that planet when one of these flares goes off. So there's a place out there which is potentially habitable, but it's not likely we'll be moving there anytime soon because of these extreme explosions happening on a neighboring star. That seems like pretty incredible findings, but this wasn't all that surprising to the team working with the Everyscope. For them, it wasn't even worth promoting. But then others became very interested in this study, and popularity skyrocketed. The amount of interest took us by surprise quite a bit. Where people are really interested in is is the potential implications of of if the nearest star to our sun hosts a habitable world. If it does, it's a really strong target for looking for life in the rest of the universe. For all we know, that world is a beautiful oasis with jungles and oceans and beaches and all of that kind of thing, and it would be a nice place for us to visit. For all we know, it's a blasted rock with no atmosphere at all. The super flares on Proxima Centauri are so strong and so frequent that if Proxima b had an atmosphere similar to ours, the ozone layer would likely be destroyed. Without the ozone layer, all organisms would be exposed to intense amount of UV rays, something that very few organisms on our Earth could even survive. But that doesn't necessarily mean Proxima b couldn't ever sustain life. I think Proxima b could still be habitable by humans. You can protect yourself from ultraviolet light with um, you know, a metal roof or something like that. The question is, could life have evolved at all on a planet subjected to this level of, um, to this level of radiation? And that's, that's a question that's well beyond us as, as observational astronomers, but I'm really excited to see what uh, the e- evolutionary biologists and astrobiologists do with our finding and in terms of what the possibilities for life on the planet are. I think that when we find extraterrestrial life, it's probably going to surprise us. I don't think that's a controversial statement. So we really need to go and look for it. And astronomy as a field is, is, is moving in that direction. We're trying to figure out how to do this. Proxima b offers one of the strongest possibilities for doing that because it's so nearby. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. 
Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Send us a tweet at UNC or shoot us an email at wellsaid at unc.edu. You can find Well Said wherever you get podcasts. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. See you next week.